everybody. Uh, my name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor here. I see some new faces and I'm just so excited that you are here today. Um, we're pumped because it's Palm Sunday. And so everybody knows what that means. Um, you get your palms out and you give your neighbors a high five. That's Palm Sunday. That's how we celebrate palms. No, it's just, just kidding. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, our, our vision here at City Light is to seek and love and care for people like Jesus does, like he is doing to seek love and care for people. And so I want to just give you um, a redundant plug. You're going to be so happy when Easter's over because we can stop telling you to invite people to Easter. Uh, but Easter is, um, is a Sunday that even the, the least church-going type person will consider going to church. And what most people are lacking is an invitation. And so um, this week, uh, Eden and I, my, my eight-year-old, we took the little circle Easter cards and we went to... Um, there's, there's a waitress at a restaurant that um, I've become friends with over the years. It's a restaurant I go to a lot. So I went into a restaurant and invited her. I invited my mechanic and the, the lady who works behind the desk at my mechanic because for whatever reason, I take my cars to the mechanic a lot and we've become friends as well. Um, and I went to a pizza store where I know the owner and I've eaten. It has a lot to do with food, if you've noticed. Um, so, you know, just an invite. Like, who knows? Right, and a couple of them had like possible ideas, and you know they're all like being nice, like well maybe you know I mean, and if they come, they come; if they don't come, they don't come. But there's a hundred percent guarantee they won't be invited to City Light, right? If we don't invite them, so let's just let's just give it a shot. I believe in what we're doing here. Um, we get we have uh, story after story after story in this room here of people who haven't been to church in a long time and come here and feel like there is a welcoming atmosphere here where they can come on their own, kind of where they are, and feel connected to God and connected to a community. And so I believe in what we're doing, and I'm, I'm excited to, that we're going to find more and more people who are looking for that. And um, so I just want to encourage you to invite people for Easter um, if you haven't done so already. And that is my invite people to Easter spiel. Good? Okay, thanks very much. All right. Um, man, I'm excited for today. There is... Seriously, one of my favorite things is to run events for kids, and so um, we've been working hard all week. I want to thank everyone in the room who has cut things out or donated. We had so much candy donated, we barely had to, we didn't, barely had to buy any compared to other years. Um, thank you for those of you who donated your bunnies. We really appreciate that. Um, they, they, they were living when you donated them to us, and we're, we're hoping they're living when we give them back to you. Um, we were made fun of for calling it a live bunny petting because they were, well, what other kind of bunny petting have you done in your life, you know? And I just, I wanted to emphasize, I don't, I don't know, something. But, so yeah, not dead bunny petting. This is live bunny petting. Um, thank you for those of you who are volunteering today, doing the stations. And, um, you know, this is what we're about. I mean, to be honest with you, this part's great. And I love this part because I'm a pastor. And, you know, you all have to listen to me. So it's really fun for me. But the best part about being in a community uh, like City Light, is what we do together for the community. And so, you know, I was looking at Facebook last night, 141 people said they were coming or interested in coming this afternoon. So we'll see. But even if 10 families who don't normally um, get to come into a church building, who maybe feel isolated from church, get to come and just hang out with us for an hour today, isn't that worth it? I mean, I spent several hours yesterday cutting out bunny ears. I'm going to tell you, that is, that, like, as far as my gifting in life, that is, like, 
off the list on the bottom. I mean, for some reason, like Sharon did a ton of the organizing, but we decided I would organize the two craft tables. And that's like picking the least gifted person to do that. Um, I, I, am, I am terrible at crafts. So when the kids go through, if things don't work, it's, it's my fault, right? Uh, I was buying glue dots. I don't even know what glue dots are, um, but I bought 600 of them. So, you know, we'll be able to stick things to anything. Um, glue, and, and I'm lying when I say that I cut out the bunny ears. My wife cut out the bunny ear templates, and I tried to trace them and cut them. And she literally came back and snipped mine to make them better. And so... Um, I apparently can't even cut a circle. Like the cheeks are circles. I can't even cut circles right. So um, my eight-year-old was doing as well as I was, basically what it came down to. So anyway, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what we get to do together. Paris Foundation's coming up. We just did Good Neighbors. I mean, come on. Are you guys excited? This is what it's all about. I mean, if we can't, like, if you want to go to a church where you just get to sit and listen and go home for six days, you probably are not in the right building. We are excited about doing something with our faith. It's not enough just to say we believe, right? We want to be making a difference. Jesus said that people would know we were followers of him because of our love, our love for each other and our love for our community. And so, okay, off the soapbox, now I'm going to preach. All right. I'll tell you why, because worship went short, and I had an extra five minutes, which I never get, and so I just wasted it, or, or spent it wisely, I mean. Okay, I want to tell you guys a story. Um, so it's a story about a guy who was born around the same time as Jesus, okay? So um, it was a little bit different, though. I mean, you know, there were no angels, shepherds, wise men. This guy, you know, just a normal birth in ancient Israel, you know, um, 2,000 years ago, and uh, so this guy was born, and he's born into a kind of a, a middle-class family. Things were kind of normal, normal life, um, and then, you know, around five or six years old, his father um, was killed in a fishing accident, and so he was then just him and his brothers and his mom, and, you know, things for women in 8 AD are not the same as 2018 AD, right, and so she had a hard time making money, had a hard time making ends meet. And, um, and so this guy, this guy, we'll call him Josephus. Does that sound like a good Middle Eastern, ancient Israel name? All right, we'll call him Joe for short, okay, just to relate to him. So Joe, Joe, uh, you know, he, he really struggled with this poverty. It was hard for him to see his mom working so hard. And so, um, you know, it didn't start out kind of with a negative motive, but, you know, uh, one day they, he went out and tried to beg, and he was trying to beg, trying to get some money. And, you know, the begging thing for him, it was hard to explain, but it just didn't sit well with him. He, it just felt like he was mooching off of other people. I know this is going to sound crazy, but stealing from people felt more noble to him than begging. And so he began to steal. And, um, and, he, and he, didn't, he wasn't proud of it, but at least he was working for what he was getting, okay? And so he would steal bread, and, and they would have bread to eat. And he felt like, you know, I'm taking bread from people who have plenty of bread. It's like, a, you know, the first Robin Hood. And, uh, and, and giving it to my kids. No? No Robin Hood fans? Okay. Sorry. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it was just kind of slowly became a lifestyle, you know. And as he did it more and got caught less, it reinforced his bad behavior. And, you know, he became like a young adult. He tried to, you know, get a couple jobs. But honestly, with everything in his past, and he, he just, he realized he couldn't, 
he honestly couldn't make as much working as he could stealing. And so he just continued in his life of crime. And so um, one day in his town, there was a crowd coming through. And you guys, you guys think this is a true story? No, okay. I haven't got maybe one person. Selah is a total skeptic, so she doesn't believe anything I say. Um, so this guy, Joe... Remember, his name's Joe, Josephus for, for long. Um, Joe's in his town, and there's this crowd coming through, and there's this guy named Jesus. Oh, amazing how I wove him into this story, right? Ironic. Uh, you're in church, and you hear a random story, and Jesus pops in. It's like, wow, what are the chances? So Jesus comes through. There's this huge crowd coming with him, and, and he sits down to teach, and this guy's thinking, this is a great opportunity for me to steal, right? There's going to be tons of people. They're all paying attention. I can do some pickpocketing. I don't know if they actually had pockets back then, but we'll just roll with that, okay? Um, some toga. I don't know what to say. Toga. Pick toguing? No. All right, so he, and, and he, but he starts to hear Jesus talking, and he gets, he gets this, this, this weird feeling on the inside. It was like Jesus was talking about how God loves everyone, and God loves uh, even the people who are uh, outcast by society. Even, even he, he heard that a tax collector was following him, and he was like, man, I'm even better than a, a tax collector because at least I'm stealing, you know, to help my family. Those guys just steal, you know, and give it to the Romans, and they're, they're the worst of the worst. And so he's hearing, and this kind of weird hope starts to rise up inside of him. And so he decides, you know what? I'm inspired by this guy, Jesus. I'm going to make a change. So he goes to his rabbi, and he's like, listen, Rabbi, uh, rabbi Tom, all right? Um, that's believable. Uh, rabbi Tom, how you doing? And so he tells Rabbi Tom all of his sins. And Rabbi Tom, um, you know, instead of loving this guy and leading him down the path of life, he rats him out. He says, first of all, you're a horrible person. Uh, God's ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of you. Your mom's ashamed of you. And he just spreads it to the synagogue. The whole synagogue knows about Joe's lifestyle of thievery. They're all like, man, I was wondering where stuff kept going, right? And it's, it's been Joe all along. And so, um, you know, Joe's an outcast from society now. And he, he, he has to leave town. And uh, he's... he's um, He's kind of just wandering. He's homeless. This guy's really down on his luck. And then, and then there was that day. And, you know, the sad stories always have that, that day, right? So there was that day where uh, he snuck into this guy's shed, and he was going to try to steal some grain because he was hungry. And uh, the guy came out at the same time and found him. And so uh, and they had a physical altercation. And as they're kind of wrestling and he's trying to get away, he tries to throw this guy off of him, and he, he hits his head on a, uh, what do they have? A plow, thanks, and, uh, and, and he dies, all right? So um, he accidentally kills this guy, and, and these people come out, and they find him, and you know, you know the rest of the story, right? So it isn't long until he's been arrested and tried and convicted, and he's, he's convicted because it was murder. You know, they reserve the worst punishments for those who murdered, committed murder. He's convicted to be crucified, and you know, if you're not familiar with church, if you haven't gone to church in a long time, uh, you probably still know what being crucified is. Um, we don't do it anymore, which is good. But uh, it, it's like it was the most uh, painful and public way to kill people. And the Romans would do it in a really horrendous fashion and leave them up for days and weeks uh, all in, the, in all the territories that they conquered, just as a reminder, don't mess with Rome. And so this guy, what's his name? Joe. Thank you, Joe. Joe is, uh, is, is led up to this hill, um, and he is put up on his cross. And um, that day there was two other people being crucified, which is kind of normal. You know, they do it in packs. And so um, he is hanging next to these two other guys, and he looks over and realizes this is the guy that he had heard in his town, this guy Jesus, right? And so um, this is a story about him 
I believe his name is Joe. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that, all right? But uh, I just, I've done extensive research in the Greek, all right, where it says the criminal, uh, it, it actually means Joe, all right? So um, this is uh, a story from Luke. And Luke, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, Luke is, um, is a book written by one of uh, Jesus' followers. And what he says at the beginning of his book is, um, I have done extensive research. This is true. Okay, so the made-up stuff's over. Uh, I've done extensive research on the claims of Jesus, and I've recorded it for all people to know. So this is Luke and his account of the end of Jesus' life. So there was two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus talks about the people who are crucifying him. And he says, even in the end of his life, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They divided his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers, and everybody started to make fun of him and mock him, because here's this guy who, especially the leaders of the Jewish religion, just could not control for the last three years. And he was, he was making a mockery of them. So finally they've got him. He said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. Soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. They even wrote a notice and put it above him, which said, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults. This isn't Joe, all right? This is his buddy, Bob. So Bob, hanging on the other side, says, aren't you the Messiah? Come on, save yourself and us, which is very, you know, you can tell, very altruistic of him. Um, he, nothing to gain there. Um, but Joe rebuked him. And this is why I told this story, because I want you to actually think about this guy, the other criminal. All right, he doesn't get a lot of airtime in the Bible, but he is a person who actually lived and has this incredible experience with Jesus. So my, my message today is about the other criminal. This guy, Joe, Josephus, is hanging on this cross next to Jesus. And how did he get there? And that's what I started to think about and pray about this week. How'd this guy get in the Bible? How'd this guy get there? What was his life like up to now? And the exchange that he has with Jesus, I think we can take a safe assumption that he had seen Jesus. I mean, everybody had seen Jesus at that point. And they, they had heard him, and he had heard his claims. So the other criminal rebukes Bob, and he says, Oh, my thing stopped working. That's not what he said. <laughs> Don't you fear God, he said. Since, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what we deserve, but this man did nothing wrong. Then he said, he looks to Jesus, and this is just so crazy, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So you can tell this guy, Joe, has some sort of belief. And I, I, this is one of the craziest stories. And maybe if you've been in church, you've read through this before. Maybe you've thought about the other criminal. Maybe not. But just take a second today to think about what this means. This guy has left, led a life of something. Right? Now, he even admits hanging on the cross that he deserves what he's getting. He's led a life of, of crime. He's led a life of taking advantage of other people, probably murdering somebody at least. And he's on this cross and he looks to Jesus. He's got hours to live. He says, but he has heard this Jesus. Something stirs inside of him again. Hope begins to rise up inside of him. And he just thinks, I don't know, but I'm going to just take a chance. And he asks Jesus for something so crazy. 
And Jesus' reply, if he were the religious leaders of that day, would be like, no chance. You know, in fact, there was a law in the Jewish law that said if you hang on a tree, you are cursed. And so all three of these guys are cursed. There's no remembering him in the kingdom. Jesus, can you imagine hanging on the cross? And Jesus was fully man. So he's not like God hanging on the cross like, this is easy, right? I mean, Jesus is struggling for breath. He's, he's already been whipped 40 times on his back. He's bleeding out. He's hurting in so much pain. And he has so much compassion. He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me. See, the guy said, would you remember me? I'm not sure what that even means. All right, I, I, I'm thinking Joe... He's been forgotten by his family. He's been forgotten by his friends. He's been forgotten by his religious community. He's an outcast. He's an outsider. He's alone. But Jesus looks to him and says, not only will I remember you, because you've shown even some faith in me, you'll be with me. And we could debate what this means, and and people do. But I think the gist is, I'm going to grant you eternal life. I mean, How is that possible? What did this guy do to earn eternal life? What did this guy do to earn what, what, you know, Christianity has called salvation, right? What did he do to earn that? There's nothing. He's literally at the end. He can't do anything good to make up for all the bad that he's done. Why is this story in the Bible? I I think this story is in the Bible because Jesus knew that there would be people who would say, Yeah, but you don't know me. But what about me? You don't know what I think about. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's really going on inside my heart, what's really going on inside inside my head. You don't know my family. You don't know my shortcomings. You don't know how I've disbelieved you so many times. And Jesus Jesus can just say, no, no, don't, don't forget Joe. Don't forget Joe, the other criminal. This guy, he was at zero. He was at negative 1,000. I mean, he had nothing to give. This is literally the last possible minute. And Jesus grants him this. See, this is the thing. Jesus, by dying on the cross and raising from the dead, listen, he earned the right to give the gift that we cannot earn. See, he earned the right to give the gift that we cannot earn. Does that make sense? By dying and raising again, he paid the price. In fact, a famous line when Jesus died is that he said, it is finished before he died. Do you know that um, the actual meaning of the Greek word, and this is true, this isn't like the joke I told before. Um, you got to be careful. People are like, I don't know if he's telling the truth or not anymore. Telling stories about made up people. Um, he, it, he said, it is paid in full. Is really what it meant when he said it is finished. Paid in full. Your debt, my debt is paid in full. He earned the right, and because he paid it in full, he can turn around to you and you and you and me, and he can say to all people across all time who have ever lived and will ever live, here is the free gift. All you have to do is receive it. In fact, there's nothing else you can do. You cannot earn this. And that's what's so hard for us because as Christians, as Christians, Americans, as Americans, we've really you know, been captured by this whole idea of capitalism where we, the more we do, the better we are, the more we earn. 
The harder we work, the more we earn. The more educated we are, the more we earn. And, and, and it just flies in the face of the economics of Jesus. All right? He just doesn't say that. And he tells these stories. Like he told a story one time about these guy, this guy who needed to hire people to work in his vineyard. And he hired a guy at 5 in the morning. And he hired a guy at 10 in the morning. And a guy at noon. And a guy at 3. And a guy at 4. And they ended the day at 5. So one guy worked all day, one guy worked an hour, and he was set up to pay the guy who worked an hour, and he gave him, let's say, $100, and he was like, wow. And then he went to pay the guy who worked all day, and he gave him $100. And that guy was like, what? That's not fair. He's like, what's not fair? I told you I'd pay you $100 if you worked all day. What is it to you if I'm generous? That's literally what Jesus said. Does it bother you that I am generous? And so it doesn't matter if I, you know, whatever, I started following Jesus at four years old. Like my mom, you know, had me pray to follow Jesus when I was four in a white Oldsmobile with blue interior in the JCPenney parking lot at Christiana Mall. Before it was like Christiana Metropolis, right? Um, There's just a few stores there. And I've followed Jesus my whole life, you know, I mean, whatever, like I'm a pastor. And, and nothing's different for me than, than Joe, the criminal, or, or, or you, or some person who's on their deathbed and they realize there is more to life and whatever. I mean, can you imagine facing death? It would make you think about eternal life. I can't be mad about God's generosity. They would get the same thing I would get. This is the God that we serve. It's not fair. It's a gift. It's a father who wants to give good gifts to his children. And so, um, let me, let me just tell another story. This one's true, okay? No more trickery. Um, so uh, there was this girl who I knew, and, uh, and, and it's Mandy, I'll just tell you. So I'm not going to build any suspense. So, uh, and uh, she was in, uh, she's my wife now, okay? But I knew her in sixth grade, and, um, and whatever. So we were friends and stuff, and I kind of like had an on-again, off-again crush for 10 years, but... Um, uh, mostly I would just stare at her uh, during, uh, you know, biology class and whatever, because she always sat in the front. I made sure of that. Clear line of sight. Um, and uh, this is a true story. I mean, that's a true story. I'm not, I'm, I'm not lying. I mean, I had one of my friends once elbowed me during class like, dude, stop. Um, and, uh, and once she was done dating all the other guys in our class, I thought I had a chance. And so, um, and um, so... Some of them are here today. Um, so, glad you could make it. Um, and I, so we were out, uh, we, were, we were like, I was a freshman in college, and, and I remember, I can remember the first day that she came to our church, because we went to different churches and yada yada. I had like this chip on my shoulder that I wasn't going to marry anyone who didn't go to my church. And so, but then she, she like walked into our church one day, and uh and, um, and I always say this, and I think it's embarrassing, but she had just been to Bahama, the Bahamas, to Bahama. She went to one Bahama. Yeah. Okay. The Bahamas. And she was like tan and had, she had this dress on. Anyway, she walked in and got my attention. And so um, I can remember exactly where I was sitting, and she like walked across. Like one of those moments where like time stands still, you know, like everybody else freezes and the music plays, and then there was like this fan blowing on her, you know. She was like walking in. And, um, and so first thing I did that day after church is I asked her out to lunch. And, uh, and she said no. And I think that I asked her out um, to lunch for a couple months, pretty much every Sunday. And in her mind, this is what she says. First of all, A, she never found me attractive. 
And two, <laughs> she, she thought, that's just Christian, like, because we were friends, right? And so um, I, I could not, no matter what I did, I could not earn her love. Does that make sense? Like, I was working hard. I, was, I, w- I thought I was dressing nicely. Um, at the time, I had a cool haircut. It was a lot of hair. Um, but at the time, it was cool. You know, um, I was offering to take her out for food. That's my love language. I mean, if I can't get you with food, I really have no shot. So um, I-, I tried humor, charm. Um, finally, I-, I-, I got our first date by I saying that we would have a spiritual conversation. <laughs> no lie. I said, would you like to get together and discuss the gifts of the Spirit? And, uh, and she said yes to that. I was like, I never, I should have led with that, you know? <laughs> so we got milkshakes at Denny's because I'm a big spender and, um, and discussed gifts of the Spirit. But her love to me has been and always will be a gift. Now, you know, I can trust is earned, right? But love is really a gift. It's a gift that she's given me and continues to give me. And, and no matter what I, could, what I tried to do, I, I, I couldn't earn it. In fact, in fact, I tried to unearn it one time. Um, we, had a, we had a conversation in a car one time. Always oh, the car. The car is a very powerful part of my life. And so um, find, finding God, finding Mandy. And so we're in this car, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> you got to know me as a, as a young adult, or older teen young adult. I was, I was pretty intense about everything. And so, um, like, I, I wouldn't tell her that I loved her for months because I needed to know that I knew that I knew that I knew that God had permitted me to say that. All right? I've changed. But, um... <laughs> So anyway, we had this conversation. I was like, I'm, I'm freaking out. I think that I might still have feelings for this other person. <laughs> I felt like you need to be honest, all right? Now, if I had a chance to talk to myself, you know, older me versus talking to younger me, I would have told younger me just to shut up, right? But I was like, you know, I just need to be honest. You know, I think I say some bull crap about like relationships are built on honesty. And if we don't have honesty, what don't we have? You know, what do we have? And so like, I just got to tell you, I've been wrestling with these emotions. I was like, maybe we should take a break. And she, and, uh, and she looked at me and she said, I'm not going to break up with you. No, no. She said, I'm not going to let you break up with me. That's what she said. I'm not going to let you break up, which should have been a sign. You know, uh, I definitely married someone strong enough to handle my personality. But she said, you're going to figure this out. Just deal with it. You're not going to end up liking that person. So just move on. You know, like take the time you need. But am I right? Okay. I didn't ask your permission. Sorry. Okay. I, I, I can't. I, I mean, it's a gift. She, she decided whether she was going to love me or not. And this is true about God's love and his salvation, the eternal life that he offers us. It is a gift, and I'm going to say that we can't earn it, and we can't unearn it. And you might want to argue with me about that, so that's fine. You can call me later. See, it's something that we have to receive. It's not something that you can be really good or really bad. It's something you just have to receive. This is so difficult for Americans. This is so hard for us. We feel like it's, it's like, but everything else I've been told in life is different. The harder I work, the better grades I get, right? I mean, the, the harder I work, the more money I get. And, and God's like, no, that's not how this is. Keep working hard. The gift's not going to change. I'm giving it all to you up front. It's like you going to get a job and, you're, and they're like, yeah, 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 you're hired. Here is all the money you will ever earn for the rest of your life. 
working for us. It's just everything up front. I want to read this. This is written by uh, one of Jesus' followers. His name was Paul. He wrote much of what we now call the New Testament. This is a letter he wrote to a church in a town called Ephesus. And so this is just exactly what I'm talking about. So let's read this together. God's mercy is great, and he loved us very much. His mercy is great, and his love is so powerful. Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God. Listen, though we had nothing to offer God, though we have nothing to offer God. Listen, if you're here today and you don't even know what you think about Jesus or you're like, you know, I'm only coming because of the Easter egg hunt. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, this This is what people who are following Jesus believe. This is why we're here is that you can't earn your way to this. Jesus, out of love, offers the free gift of life to all of us. He gave us new life with Christ, even when we were dead. You've been saved by God's grace. See, grace is this kind of religious word that we use, and it really just means a free gift. It's, it's you know, people say unmerited favor. It's, it's goodness from God that you can't earn. You can't say no to it. I mean, okay, so you can say no to it. I, I, over, I, I misspoke there a little bit. This is the one thing we can do is we cannot receive the gift, right? Okay, sorry. Whew. Okay, I mean, so this is continuing. I mean that you have been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. I mean, all we have to do is receive the gift, believe the gift. So for some of you here today, you've never decided to receive the gift of what we call salvation, which is basically saying, Jesus, I just receive eternal life from you. I receive forgiveness. I mean, we've all made mistakes. And this is the deal. We've all racked up a debt that we can't pay. And Jesus paid it all. And he said, here, I'm giving you a free gift of salvation, of eternal life. You can't earn it. So today could be your day. I mean, today you could be just like the other criminal who's hanging on that cross and he just looks to Jesus and says, is there any chance that you would even just remember me? Everyone else has forgotten me. I've given up on myself, but is there any chance? And Jesus is saying to you, today is the day. Today is the day of your salvation. Today could be your day. For others in this room who are, have already said, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus, you know what I've noticed is that once we say yes to the gift, we try to earn everything else. And so let's just talk real quick about, oh, you know what? Instead of trying to earn God's peace or earn God's strength or earn God's answers to your prayer or earn God's favor in your life, it's all meant to be receiving. So what are we receiving in our lives right now? I'm going to skip through just a quick, don't look at those. Okay. There's a verse that says that you do not have because you do not ask. What do you not have right now? Are you lacking peace in your life right now? Now listen, I'm not saying, you know, you ask one time and your whole life will be peaceful. No, walking with Jesus is a relationship. It's ongoing. It's a journey with him through life. But what are you lacking right now? See, Jesus earned the right to give you the gifts that you cannot earn. If you need peace, ask God for peace. If you need strength right now, if you're, uh, you know, a mom of young kids, you need strength, right? And Jesus is there in those moments where you feel overwhelmed. If you're a parent, 
who's having, you know, um, has older kids and is having behavioral issues with your kids. If you're a teenager, right, and you're just like slogging through this kind of, this time of year in school is like that, that horrible time of year where it just feels like it's never going to end, you know, especially after spring break. That's the worst. And just, God, I need, I need some perseverance. What do you need in your life right now? See, this, I just want to change our paradigm. We're talking about believing in love. This is the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. It's a love that gives you freely. There's a couple other things we can learn. All right, I'm just going to do these all at the same time. This is what's so powerful about Jesus. He is the God of second chances. We don't come to a place in our life where we run out of chances with God. He's the God of second and third and fourth, right? He is the God who's always got more for us. He is the God who, for whom nothing is impossible. I just want you to start to think about, enter into Joe's story and think about how he must have felt. I'm out of chances. This is impossible. It's too late for me to earn anything. And Jesus just broke all of that with one sentence and looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. It is never too late for God. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who you've been praying for to find Jesus and you just feel like it's never gonna happen. Listen, it's never too late. See, with God on our side, we should never give up. And that doesn't mean, listen, I'm not advocating living in um, like some la-la land where we think things are happening that aren't happening. Like we live in reality. We know that bad things happen. We know that sometimes prayers don't get answered the way we want them to, when we want them to, or ever. But we continue to pray and seek God. We continue to share our love with others. We continue to seek and love and care for people like Jesus does because you never know. You never know. It's because nothing's impossible and it's never too late for God. There might be someone that you have invested in and have invested in and have invested in and have invested in and have never seen anything come back. But in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, there's going to be a day where they're going to turn their heart to God and you, your investment is going to be the turning point. But it was just a slow growing fruit in their life. It is never too late for God. The people that you love and even for yourself, I mean, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, Christian, you don't know. You don't know that this issue, you know, issue X in my life that is just like, unbreakable. Like I've tried X, Y, and Z to do this and nothing happens. But see, this is the kind of God that we love and serve and pray to. There's always hope. That's why he can give us hope even when it seems hopeless. I mean, it doesn't get much more hopeless than hanging on the cross and being about to die. So if he can grant that, what can he not do in your life? This is the God that we serve. So let me just ask you again. You know, what are you asking for for God? Today, I would just encourage you. We're going to end now with one more song. And so we're going to sing one more song. And this, this we call this our response time. And give you a chance to respond to or reflect upon what we've talked about now. Don't let the lie exist in your head that this is for others and not for you. Okay? And I don't care if you've been, whatever, going to church your whole life or you just started a couple months ago or today's your first day. I mean, I don't really think Jesus sees a difference. He just looks and sees people that he loves. And so what can you ask God for today? Listen, you can get other people to ask God for stuff with you. We have people over there on the wall who are willing to pray for you. If there's an area in your life, right? Now you hear me. I'm not guaranteeing you pray once and the thing that you've been wondering about for 20 years is instantly fixed. No. 
But when we pray together, God works in us. And so go get prayer today. If you've got something where you feel hopeless or you feel up against the wall, maybe even you're like, but Christian, I've gotten prayer over there three times already this month. Great. You know, there's stuff that I pray about every day. I pray, I pray for my kids. I pray for my kids to have a faith in Jesus that is unwavering and can't be broken by all the stuff that they're going to see in the next 10 years of their lives. And I pray that every day. And I'm going to keep praying it. And I know they're going to make mistakes. I know they're going to make bad choices. And I'm just going to keep praying it. You can't, you can't pray too much. Go get prayer. Go get prayer today. We're going to sing this song. You can get prayer. Or you can just spend some time in your chair just, you know, talking to the Lord or talking to God. If you're not a Christian today, I encourage you even just to talk to God and say, you know, why, why am I here? Like, why am I here today? And he's talking about this. Is there something you want to show me? So let's stand up together. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so um, overly gracious and good. And we thank you that you are, that you have earned the, the right to give us the gift that we could never earn. And not just the gift of salvation, but all the gifts that you give us. of Your love and peace and joy and strength and forgiveness and kindness and goodness. God, I pray that we would know that God, that we would know you like that God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come in this room and just minister to each of us right now in the places where we feel hopeless. If you feel hopeless right now, just, just open your heart up. Just open your heart up and receive. Some of you might want to put your hands out just as a physical gesture like I'm receiving. Let's receive a gift from God today. Jesus, for those of us who feel hopeless about an area in our life, we just receive hope. We receive wisdom to know how to handle it. We receive peace and grace and strength. Thank you, Jesus, for every single person in this room, wherever we are in our journeys of faith, I pray that you would help us take one more step today. Just while our eyes are closed real quickly, we, do, we try to do this every Sunday. Um, there's no pressure, and we're not trying to manipulate anybody, but if you're here today and you've never made that first choice, to say yes to Jesus and you'd like to be a follower of Jesus, just raise your hand real quick. No one else is going to look. I'm just going to see it so I can talk to you afterwards because um, it, it's, it's a process. It's not just a raise your hand sort of thing. So if you want to raise your hand, I'd love to see a chance to pray with you afterwards. All right, Jesus, we thank you for your love. Be with us today. And we pray that all the kids and families who come in to this uh, Easter egg party would have a great time and feel our love for them. In Jesus' name, amen.